Hello and welcome to the Rugby Show here on the 42.e. We are looking back on Ireland's victory over South Africa and looking ahead to the next couple of tests as well. My own name is Gavin Casey and I'm delighted to be joined by former Ireland head coach Eddie O'Sullivan. Eddie Hipstrix. I'm good, thanks. Uh, cheers for coming. Uh, we've dragged you across from the from the West. Um, we might start, I suppose, Eddie, with uh, well the result. We were just talking before we came on air, and I don't think uh, either of us were predicting South Africa were going to come to Dublin and turn us over, and maybe that took away from some of the buzz leading up to the game. But yeah. certainly, if you were looking for a performance from Ireland, you got it. If you were looking for a performance from some of the new kids on the block, we got that as well. Like, if you look at the team that played, I think it was only eight of the team that had beaten England, which was Ireland's last test. So for such a large turnover Ireland dealt yep. fairly well with it No it was a very good performance I think the accuracy of the performance again uh, there was nothing too spectacular about it we just were very workmanlike um, and we, we played good territory good execution of the kicking defended really well um, really South Africa were never in the game there was never at any point where you'd say God these guys might get a break here and catch us so we were like in cruise control for 70 minutes and then in the last 10 we scored 21 points in 10 minutes which is like where did that come from but in a sense you could see the, the fight going over South Africa mm. and this is a South African team at the moment that I think is playing on emotion you know they're, they're not as bad as they looked in the last 10 minutes last Saturday but they're not that good either, you know. When you when you see where they are, I mean, their their rugby championship was 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 up and down. Now, they, if you just take one step back from their first their first year under Cutsey has been the worst they say in South African history, and and that first game was losing to Ireland in, in the summer tour. So he's been on a roller coaster. Uh, they circled the wagons after that first season was so bad, and they brought in extra coaches and they battened down hatches. And then they they played really well against France in the summer. T- the France's summer tour, but we know the French don't tour that well. They're end of a long season. They're, they're trying to get to the beach rather than the rugby pitch. And they, but they read a lot into that. They expanded their game, but then they hit reality in the rugby championship and they beat Argentina. They had two draws with Australia, which is not bad. Australia are a decent team. But they're, they're, the big black mark is, was that they got absolutely shellacked by 50 points for New Zealand. But then the final game of the Rugby Championship, backs to the wall, they almost beat New Zealand, lose by a point. And you're wondering, no, which South African team is coming to Dublin? And my kind of concern was that it would be the team that played their guts out against New Zealand in the last Rugby Championship game, which was really all emotion. It was an emotional performance. There was the same emotion at all there last Saturday. You could see it from the off. I think we had more emotion than they had, and we were much more organised, and we knew our game plan. And I, I think again, if you just get below the skin of it, I don't know what South Africa's game plan was. It was, it was catastrophic from the off. Is there a chance like that, given they had poured so much emotion into that game against New Zealand, that was maybe their last stand of the championship, and now they're going into a period where there is going to be wholesale changes, but Erasmus coming in, that maybe they. Some of the players, at least, sort of have thrown their hat at this winter and thought, "Let's just get it out of the way, get home." No, I, I, I you'd hate to think that that's what happened because they're representing their country. You know, I mean, whatever you you say about you know, if you're playing for a club, you can go through a bad patch, or there's a new coach coming in. You know, fellas, go, oh, yeah, yeah. Well, things are going to change, but when you're playing for your country and you're you're being capped, um, that's a big deal. And uh, I just felt that the energy that you normally get from the spring box in that short didn't didn't arrive. Now the other side of it, I suppose, as well, is that they know now if they've this autumn tour for them, they play Ireland, uh, they play they play Italy, they play France, and they play Wales. They were coming here with kind of let's get a clean sweep here, take the pressure off the team because it's a long 
summer or winter for us, summer for them in, in the Southern Hemisphere, like they don't play again till next June. Mm. And there's going to be like seven months of, of, of discontent in the media and where's the programme going. They've had really, really bad year and a half. So if they had a big autumn tour here, they could take the pressure off themselves, relax, get things back on track. But they have a bad tour here now. It's going to be more of the same kind of ongoing debate in the media when they get home. So they needed a good result. Like, and for that reason, it wasn't that they lost on Saturday, they actually capitulated in the end. And well, that's been really, really result. historically bad result. And, and you know, like the, in fairness to uh, Francois Lowe at the end of, at the game, said it was one of their worst performances ever. So what a great way to get your autumn tour off. What a great you know, first step. So the, the thing, you're not going to take anything from Ireland because you've got to play the team in front of you. This South African team had a lot of things wrong with it on Saturday, but and we exposed it in the end, and that's what, you know, if Ireland ever get into that space, the top teams will expose us. So Ireland were very, very professional in the way they went about the game, very solid game plan, and executed it very well. But you saw at the back end of it where South Africa just were shambolic almost. Yeah, I, you mentioned as well that they might be overly dependent on the emotion of the occasion, and that's been something level at Ireland in the past that maybe we've gone into these games too much. Well, we certainly weren't on Saturday. You would hope that Ireland have moved away from that space, and I think if you look at us, you know, go back ten years, even we're we're now like regularly in the top three or four, five in the world, and and those world rankings. I don't want don't get me started on them because I, if you look at them now, your head would snap back because some of the rankings are off the wall. But having said that, we've been at the top table of our of, of world rugby for a while now, and and we've got away from this. It's all about emotion, Father. We're a much different team, and you saw that on Saturday. That yeah, we brought the emotion, and we and and we're never going to lose that, and, and you can't lose that. But the clinical approach to the game, the execution, the clarity of the game plan, whether you think it's a great game plan or not, is the fact the team went out and executed it really, really well. That's what it's about, and that's how you stay where you are in in, in the pecking order in the world rankings. Yeah, big time. Well, we mentioned. Uh the new crop and a lot of young guys involved not even necessarily young but inexperienced guys at international level uh, Andrew Conway impressed uh, we had Bundy Aki coming in making his debut a much celebrated debut in the Irish media uh, what did you make not of so much early in the week <laughs> no no it was funnier that turned around although you know there are other forces at play there Aki I suppose you and I were just discussing before we came on here that maybe it was because of the furore surrounding him wearing Irish green that he was awarded a lot of eights and nines in, in player ratings when actually it was an impressive debut yeah. but it wasn't spectacular by any stretch Look, of the imagination. I think we were trying to kind of roll back a lot of the nonsense that was spoke about earlier in the week and got a lot of airtime and column inches and I just couldn't get my head around this. Why are we having this debate now? What did Bundyaki do differently than CJ Standard, Jared Payne? You know, um, there was like, I think it's seven or eight players now have come through that system. And yeah, there was always somebody raised their head, but this turned into a national debate. Like, I thought that horse, be a national yeah, debate the horse had left the stable a long time ago, you know, for that one. And I thought it was probably a bit unfair on him that it went to that stage. You know, I think it's a, it is a genuine debate. But it's been addressed by, by World Rugby, eventually kicking and screaming. And they've even pushed it out to 2020 again, which I think is kind of fudging it a wee bit. Yeah. But I think the five-year rule is the right way to go. Three years was was a bit stupid. Um, and I think we all knew that. It's going to be five now, eventually. And I think, you know, go one step further if you want to. Say, like, if you live here for five years, you want to play for Ireland, take out an Irish citizenship. And there's nothing wrong with that if you're going to die for the jersey. That's wrong with having a passport to go with it. So, but... To have that debate this week to me made no sense whatsoever because, as I said, this has been this has happened many times before, and maybe 
because there wasn't much buzz around this game. The Springboks were here for the sixth time uh, in, 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 I think, 12 or 13 years, and we'd beaten them four of the six times. And even we'd beaten them down in South Africa last year. So there was kind of no mystique or mystery about the Springboks, and maybe had something else to talk about. And that was a good place to start. But I thought it was a lot of hype about really nothing. And I, th- I, thought I felt bad for, for, for the player. Um, because he was in the middle of a, of a firestorm that had nothing to do with him, that other people had done the same thing as he had. Now, maybe he said a couple of things in, earlier that people latched on to, but that that's, doesn't matter. So I, I felt bad for him, but having said that, I thought his performance then was very solid. I don't think he had a barnstormer, I don't think he lit it up. But to me, that's okay. Your first cap at that level to come in and tick all the boxes, don't make any mistakes, get your job done. And I think just the way Gary Ringrose started when he got his first cap, nothing spectacular, made no mistakes, did all the right things. He had a very solid first cap. It wasn't 9 out of 10, but your first cap doesn't have to be 9 out of 10. 6 or 7 out of 10 is good enough. And I thought, to be fair to him, considering the week he had, hats off, he did a great job. Yeah, he's another option now in Ireland centre, and I think it's a position or an area in the pitch which is becoming very congested it's very It's becoming quickly. a headache now, which is great. It's yeah. a headache for the coach and who plays where. It looks like now that if you look at the 12 channel, it's Bundyaki, I, I, I think um, McCluskey in Ulster has been lighting up this year, makes a strong case. Uh, it looks like Ring Rose will come back, does he go to 13? If he goes to 13, what happens to Robbie Henshaw? Henshaw, I think, has always been to the manor born as an internationalist, whether he plays 12 or 13. But the problem will be now is what do Leinster do when Ring Rose comes back? Does does uh, Henshaw go back to 12, Ringrose to 13? But if, if Henshaw has to play 13 for Ireland, he needs to play there every week. That's the problem. Like, it's fine to throw Phil in there for a test game, but if he's playing his trade at 12, and it, there are different nuances that can hurt you at the top end of the game. And that's not taken away from Robbie Henshaw. Robbie Henshaw is more than capable of playing 13 mm. or 12. But where's his future? If his future's at 13 for Ireland, then if he's going to partner up with Bundyaki as our frontline 10 and 12, he has to play there. But then what happens to Ringrose? And that that's a diff- that's a management issue. But the, the bottom line is we have no seriously good strength in the middle of the field and people who can cover those positions and you know hit the ground running, which is a great thing. But it does create its own other he- little headaches. Yeah, big time. And a couple of lads uh, not mentioned there. I know you're a huge fan of Rory Scannell and you maintain that at Munster he might be underutilised a little bit at well, 12. I, I feel like a voice in the wilderness, but I, I, I keep feeling that Munster have got their midfield back to front. I think Farrell is a bit like McCluskey. He's a big, big man. He's a very strong ball carrier. Gets his hands free in the contact area. Um, whereas Scannell, to me, is a more natural footballer, great distributor, uh, more an, more of an instinct player. A bit not far away, and I don't want to be to elevate him too early, but he's in the same kind of mould as Brian O'Driscoll in terms of his reading of the game. Yeah. He's an instinctive player, but he's playing 12. And I think Farrell is struggling at 13. Uh, I think Scandal is wasted at 12 and I think Munster are trying to expand their game. I think if they flip those guys around it would make a big difference to how their, their engine runs, you know. But that's 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 just my opinion. But from what I've seen and I think Scandal is another guy that can force himself into that mix in the Irish midfield. He, he again ticks all the boxes and he's he's probably been Munster's best back for the last couple of seasons. You could argue himself and Zeebo. But um, and we won't go there. But uh, <laughs> but definitely talking about Scandal, yeah, I think he's right in there in the mix, you know. And look, that's fantastic. Like when you're when you're coaching and you're trying to pick a team, it's those type of headaches you want. Mm. It's not like oh, what are we going to do to fix this? You're saying which is going to give my best outcome here, and you've got three or four possibilities. But they're the guys now really are, you know, putting their hand up. 
Big time, yeah. I mean, one of the areas, obviously, that we would have been a little bit more concerned about, given Mr. Zebo's absence, and it looks like it's going to be a prolonged one, was the back three. But you see Jacob Stockdale come in. I mean, this is a guy who made his debut for Ulster in January of last it year. It doesn't solve the back three, but you're right. It's Let's talk option. about Stockdale for, for, for the sure. moment. Because I think, well, I think he's an option at 15 down the line maybe as well, but we might get to that in a, in a second. Let's just talk about the game he had at 11. Very impressive again, and like it's hard to believe he's 21, not just the size of him, well, but the way he plays I'm, the game. I'm not trying to be like the, the, the Monday morning quarterback, but I actually have been watching Stockdale like just even since the start of the season. He has been phenomenal for Ulster like the three guys in Ulster at the moment that are really lighting it up and keeping Ulster like ticking over because they haven't shot the lights out yet is Stockdale McCluskey and Charles Pito you know to be fair mm. but if you see anything good that happens for Ulster even when Pito is making it happen it's Stockdale and McCluskey are involved as well and I think Stockdale like and I think, to be fair, um, in terms of the back three, and to be fair to Conway, had Earls not been injured, I think our two best swings this season, to be fair, are Stockdale and Earls. Now, Earls, unfortunately, got injured. but and, and again, Conway did a great job. But having said that, Stockdale has been outstanding. He's really kind of played his way into that position. And I was delighted to see it. And I, I really wasn't worried about him. Because he's, he's an absolute monster of a kid. And he's got all the skills. He's a very good footballer. No. Foot, full back is another debate and not sh- he, for him to play full back for Ireland he, he has to play full back week in week out for Ulster and then see what happens over a season but I think yeah he was outstanding um, I think the problem going to the full back is that Rob Kearney again had excellent game huge experience but Rob is so injury prone yeah. at the moment and I think that's a big worry that if Rob goes down again as he tends to he's, he's always had hamstring trouble right through his career and that could happen like captains run the day before a game it's mm. just so unpredictable particularly someone with that history if he were to go down who's our full back um, that's the debate now where, where, does the, where does the full back come from so it's somebody who's got to play there every week now Carberry's playing there but I think he's a fabulous footballer but I don't know he's an international full back yet mm. now Brian O'Driscoll would say he's on his way to that uh, I'm still between, I think he's still a phenomenal 10. I think he's a beautiful 10 because he goes to the line, his distribution. You saw the cross kick last, last, uh, last Saturday um, for Darren Sweetenham. Yeah. Like, that was world class. Like, of a turnover. Like, a lot of cross kicks are setups. You know, when you, you run those cross kicks, they're almost pre called. So the winger drops wide, you run your unders line, tightens the defence, and boom, out it goes. That was of a turnover. Like that wasn't pre that wasn't pre called. He just read it. He he saw Sweeten was wide, looked up, saw the space, and he and it had to hit the grass, wasn't into his hands. So like that's why I'm I'm a big fan of Carberry, but I, I think he's a phenomenal ten. Will he make a f- an international fifteen? We'll see. But that's going back to that, that space there outside of Rob Carney is there's a bit of a vacuum around that there's no obvious one. Well there is, but he's not in the squad. <laughs> the elephant in but the room. That, you know, and may, maybe if they have to do it in the Six Nations, they have to do it. But definitely Zebo is the next man up, you know. And some maybe say he should be the first well, man up. Is, uh, yeah. But yeah, but having said that, that that's just the vacuum in the back three. I think we've plenty of wings now. Yeah. You know, we've plenty of centres. Um, who's Johnny Stixon's backup now? You know, like at this moment in time, Carberry uh, probably looks like Carberry. So is he going to be a fifteen or a ten? Because but again, is there an argument to made he could end up at twelve as well? The way the game is going, Carberry midfield there. I don't think in the modern game he'd be he'd be physically big enough to like with the ball. You, you've got to remember that when you pick somebody, he's got to play both sides of the football. It's not the NFL. So mm. with the ball, yeah, Carberry's a superb footballer, and at the line, he's as comfortable as anybody in the world. It's just when 
you send big guys like maybe a McCluskey or Bundyaki his own his own team running at him, then he, he he's very hard to hold the game line with him. So that's the trade off for him. So I, I don't think considering the resource we have at 12, I don't think he's going to figure in that configuration. Yeah, just sticking with Kearney briefly, I mean, he's a guy who gets an awful lot of criticism, I think, for largely well, for, for people me. outside. No, 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 no. I, I've always, I, I, I always rated him as a phenomenal footballer. I think he's had his ups and downs, which he's got flayed on, but I, he's, he's, his ups and downs have been based around his been on the field and been out with injuries. He's had long layoffs. And especially with hamstrings, it's a nightmare injury because it's, there's no warning. It doesn't get sore. Usually it just goes. Yeah. It might get tight, but he's had a very unlucky run with injuries. But when he's been in the hole of his health and he's got a number of games under his belt, you saw last Saturday, the guy, is he, he's flying it. You know, maybe, maybe his evasion skills are not as sharp, but that could be down to the fact that, again, when you're practicing those evasion skills, you put huge pressure on your hamstrings. But I, I think... There's no question they put Carney under any day. I wouldn't, I wouldn't blink an eyelid. Uh, so I think people have been harsh on him, but I think the harshness is a bit unfair because of, of, of the injuries he's had to deal with right through his career. Yeah, for sure. Um, we'll see how uh, how Ireland do look to solve that gap at full back. If there is a gap, if Carney does go down again, I suppose it's not impossible. But uh, looking at Fiji now, uh, we've already seen, I suppose, a good few of the young lads get a chance against a, a top-tier nation, South Africa. Like This is a chance, I guess, to experiment that little bit more. Maybe to some of the things that you're suggesting there, Joe Schmidt might actually try, but is there anybody, I suppose, you're going to say Stuart McCloskey should get a run out? Yeah, I think McCloskey deserves a look in there, but then again, he might feel like that Bondiaki needs another game under his belt. And I can understand that. But I'd be a fan of McCloskey's as well from what I've seen this year. Uh, so I'd be interested to see what he does there. Maybe, you know, would he, would he, would he push Bondiaki to 13 or something to see what that works you know but I, I don't know it's hard to get inside the coach's head but I I, I, f- I feel that McCluskey certainly is a guy has got one cap in Twickenham which he quit himself very well two seasons ago he he's been in the wilderness yeah he's been in the wilderness I think he deserves to get back in there you know no, but we'll see how that breaks yeah but are there any other players I mean forget about say Joe Schmidt from, from your own perspective that you'd like to see get a chance or anybody who well, I'd say, I would say like um, James Ryan starting you know, maybe uh, g- given um, given Tone or a rest. You know, um, you might see it's like he might want to, to rest as well. Ian Henderson. You mm. know, he like, had a phenomenal game again. Yeah, like. well, Henderson. The problem for Henderson maybe to start his career is he was what we call a tweener. He could play with second draw back row, and it's not a huge deal anymore. Except if he plays in the second, row, he's got to jump further up the line. Yeah. And I've always felt that. He would have grown up jumping at the tail where the flight of the ball is in the air and you've much more time to gauge the, the trajectory of the ball. If you're at two, like it's in a splash Snaps and you get it, it yeah. or you're taking a, it's a much, and you need to practice that. Like I've seen him, the way I said as I've seen him play lock and miss flat throws that he wouldn't be accustomed to taking. No, that's a very fixable problem. Mm. But he's certainly outside of jumping in the line out, like the guy is a monster, but he's always brought that physicality combined with he's got great feet for a big mm-hmm. guy he steps people he's not all just route one he can step around guys and I thought it was a super game again on the weekend so like I I think the, the, the Fiji game it's about the coach looking down the depth chart here because the summer tour was great for that because the lines were gone mm. this is an, a one-off chance again bef- like there's no chance in the Six Nations to go down the depth chart like you've got to put your best foot forward and I've I gotta tell you, like Argentina are a dangerous team at the moment. They're they're really looking for a victory. I mean, they put it up to England on the weekend. But so, I think he's got to try and keep 
his powder somewhat dry for the Argentina game and the Fiji game gives give guys a run. There's plenty of possibilities, you know. I, I mean, does Niall Scannell come into that frame there? Does he does he get in? You know, does he start sweeting him off his off his uh, on the wing for his first start? All that. They're all possibilities. Um, maybe Marmion gets a run. You know, it's a first start. Like there's all those possibilities without going too far outside yeah. the core of the squad. But I know I don't know how to judge it because Fiji. Um, John McKee is the coach of Fiji, former Buccaneers coach, and uh, knows Connacht well. He coached a bit in Connacht. He's a very, very good coach. He's done a really good job with them. And um, he'd be the kind of coach who put together a good game plan, you know, that if they click, they could cause you problems. So you can't just kind of throw caution to the wind. And ironically, like, which don't get me started in the world rankings, they're ranked above Argentina. They're one, they're one place above Argentina as of this morning, which. I find that hard to believe, but that's where they are, you know, not, no disrespect to them. But um, so Fiji, you never know what to expect because we know if they click and they get in the front foot um, and they get whipped to their teeth uh, that they can play. But you just probably see Ireland just choking the life out of them, you know, as the game goes. But a game that there is room for experimentation, no question about it, in terms of selection. Absolutely, yeah. They strike is kind of an ideal test for a lot of those young players you mentioned there. Uh, Eddie, that's all we've got time for. Thanks, as per usual, for joining us. I uh, hope you enjoyed the game at the weekend. We will be back on Friday, I believe, for another episode of Close Calls. If I'm wrong about that, apologies. We'll be back soon anyway. Uh, cheers for tuning in, and uh, we'll see you soon. Take care.